I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where, yet again, it's been a busy few days for Everton as it in the build-up to their game against Norwich at the weekend. Phil Kirkbride and Chris Beasley, as we're recording, are currently flying down to, uh, well, not flying, they're driving down, but uh, driving down to uh, to Norwich to cover the game this weekend. I am your host, Adam Jones. I've somehow managed to wrangle a weekend off this weekend, so I'm I'm quite happy as things stand. And I'm joined today by a dream team of Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland. We'll, uh, we'll discuss the Norwich game a little bit later on, lads, but Preno, we'll start where uh, Rafa Benitez's press conference has started today, shall we, with the... Uh, with a new Everton signing, Anwar El Ghazi has joined the club on loan from Aston Villa. His uh, the confirmation of that move came through yesterday. Uh, what what did you make of it? The signing itself, I think, uh, a no brainer. It, it's a positive. You know, he scored was it what ten league goals last season, uh, and you know, a man who's not being selected, you know, so you know, week in week out. So you know, he will improve our options uh, at a time of the season when we're going to have a couple of games a week. You know, so going forward for quite some time. Uh, hopefully, it will improve our attacking threat in the final third. Um, no doubt, this is a theme that we'll come on to as the um, as the pod progresses. But once again, I just the air of negativity that surrounds the club at the moment like really does wind me up. And like people couldn't wait to have a pop at the signing. Uh, you know, initially people are suggesting it was you know going to be a permanent signing, fifteen million quid, which it never was. Um, you know, so people were jumping on that bandwagon. And then it was uh, having a go because he wasn't selected regularly by Aston Villa last season. It's just that, you know, any decision that, you know, Rafael Benitez makes at the moment, and I understand, you know, so why the reservations about him, you know, sort of being the Emerson's manager, but you support the football team, you, you support the club. And, uh, you know, so for a signing coming in to immediately, you know, sort of go on the negatives and start, you know, sort of jumping on his back, I found quite frustrating, to be honest. So personally, I think it's decent. You know, it's not you know so sort of absolutely superstar signing, but you know it's it's decent. It improves the options. It'll um, it'll give us something that we don't currently have in the squad. Yeah, I get that we have got strength. You know, sort of in the wide areas at the moment. This just adds to that. So yeah, I, I don't see it being a being a problem at all. I think it's quite a quite a positive acquisition. Only five months, you know, so as the manager said. If he does particularly well. In that time, you know, he's got a carrot dangled in front of him. Uh, there's no obligation whatsoever for a permanent signing. But if he does well enough, you know, so maybe he'll make a convincing argument for Everton to want to try and keep him. So it's up to him, really. Mm. I think Preno summed up the two sides of the argument quite well there, Gav. I mean, it is, I think El, El Ghazi's 10 goals in, I think, 28 Premier League appearances last time playing board as well. The issue that some supporters have had is the wide areas are actually a, a a position that we're quite strong in at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, but at the same time, um, we have guys playing says a lot of games coming up, and I, I view this transfer, uh, this transfer in the you can't judge this transfer until we've done the entire transfer window. You see what I mean? Yeah. 
And people yeah. say, oh, we've not bought such and such or such and such position. And Benitez spoke about number 10 today, didn't he? Um, and I think you've got you've got to see this in the context of the whole window, haven't you? First of all, because we're still only, what, halfway through it. Uh, and as, as Benitez said, you know, there's, you know, levelling off of financially, whatever. So you would expect for them not to be maybe one or maybe two additions between now and the end of the end of the uh, the window. And as Penno said, we've got not just two games a week. We've got the spectre of COVID still, still, still around. You've got the spectre of uh, the African uh, Cup of Nations is still still here, isn't it? So on that basis, um, I'm pretty comfortable with the loan deal. If it'd been a fifteen million pound deal, it might have been something slightly different. But yeah. Yeah, I, I see no problem. I'm, 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 with, I'm with Penno on this. I'm somewhat disconcerting at the moment. I spoke about this before we came on air. That everything that that the manager or the club does at the moment, whether good, good or bad, the default, the default uh, response. And I can understand in some circumstances is, is to criticise or just look at the negative side. You know, that's not a healthy uh, response for me. I think we need. Supposedly need to be looking at things a little bit more, you know, with a bit more balance and looking at some of the opportunities. So, um, I think, yeah, I, I'm pretty okay with it. Okay with it, to be honest with you. It doesn't really, uh, you know, you know, it doesn't really worry me this this deal in the, in the whole context of the January transfer window. Yeah. And I suppose picking up on something that you said before, Preno, you know, this maybe isn't one of the most high profile signings that Everton are ever going to make, but. That's where Everton found a lot of success in the summer, wasn't it? With the likes of Andros Townsend and Damari Gray coming in, they weren't the most high-profile signings. And with the added bonus now that Amwar El Ghazi, the ball's kind of in his court with this being a loan move, with an option at the end of it. If he performs well, he might get a move to Everton uh, permanently. So it's up to him to prove himself, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, exactly the same arguments were made about Andros Townsend when he came in in the summer. You know, there was a great deal of negativity about that signing. And uh, you could argue that Damari Gray apart, you know, he's been one of the players of the season so far. Maybe it's just uh, like a cultural mindset. It's happened many times. Um, Lee Carsley is one I remember, you know, so the absolute, not protests, but, you know, uh, a great deal of concern about him coming in because he'd been involved. I think it was three clubs who were relegated prior to actually joining Everton and turned out to be one of the greatest servants the club's had in, like, so recent years. Um, so, yeah, just give the guy an opportunity. Let's just see, you know, so what, what he brings to the table. Um, it, it just doesn't really, you know, sort of cause me any concerns whatsoever. Uh, he's got everything to prove. Uh, we've got an awful lot of fixtures coming up, you know, so... Uh, Benitez talked about um, three games in hand, you know, so during his press conference. And, um, yeah, just, you know, again, that that air of negativity. One of the first questions he had to answer was, um, you know, is this actually your signing or has it been forced upon you? Which I thought was a bit strange. You know, it's, it's almost like suggesting that Farhad Machine is actually, you know, sort of picking these players and then depositing them on the manager. I can assure you now, Rafael Benitez wouldn't stand for anything like that. You know, he's. Uh, I think you know they actually you know discussed these issues you know still at great length you know so with the coaching staff before they decide to make uh, the decision. I remember from his time at Liverpool, Rafa was involved in a number of uh, sort of dubious wide signings. Uh, so coming into Liverpool, I'm thinking uh, that the Spanish lad Nunes was it Mark Gonzalez. So he doesn't have a, you know so an absolutely unblemished track record when it comes to uh, bringing in wide players. 
Uh, but you know, equally, he's very, very good at getting the uh, the best out of players uh, that we haven't seen previously. I'm thinking of his time at Newcastle, where you know, obviously, we had Christian Atsu uh, at Goodison Park, who his time was utterly underwhelming. Uh, I can't remember absolutely anything he did at all. And yet he went to Newcastle uh, and was a real success and spoke in glowing terms about the impact that Benitez had had on his career. So, you know, hopefully El Ghazi can be, you know, sort of somebody that fits into, into that bracket rather than the uh, the previous brackets of the other uh, dodgy, you know, so foreign wingers that you know, so didn't work out in his time at Anfield. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite, uh, quite heartened, you know, so he'll get an opportunity. And uh, what was the stat I saw yesterday? He's... Um, he loves a shot, you know, so on goal. Um, you know, he, he has something like, you know, so one and a half shots every single game. And, you know, you can argue sometimes that we've been a little bit guilty sometimes of overplaying games, you know, so trying to rely just on getting the ball into wide areas and getting the ball into the box. Having somebody that's going to have a little pop from, you know, so the edge of the box, as Anthony Gordon proved against Brighton, can be very, very productive. So, you know, so somebody else coming into the squad's prepared to do that, uh, I think is a, a positive. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. I suppose last thing on El Ghazi, Gav, financially it just makes sense, doesn't it? A loan move, Everton aren't really going to lose out on much for the next few months, are they? No, 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 exactly. And you've got to see this in the context of the, the Jan- January transfer window and um, selling Dean and buying two fullbacks and making sure that we come out of it financially better than what we uh, go into it, you know, for, for obvious reasons. And, yeah, and I've not... You know, I, I, I got me abacus out before uh, we came on air. And uh, <laughs> I was I was looking... I know we've got to talk briefly about Luca Dean, but if, if Dean is, like, 23 million, we're probably going to make 18, 19 million profit on that this year because we've already accounted for a lot of his transfer fee. Plus, we've got his wages that we're going to save, which is, say, like $3 million. So, call it $22 million we've got in the January transfer window. I think the two full-backs, the wages and transfer fees are going to cost us about $8 million for the rest of the financial year. So, you've therefore got $14 million now to spend, you know, and balance the books. But just on those transfers... So, but, but we're not going to spend all that because we've got to balance the books overall as a club, you know. So there is there is still money, I say, in the kitty for us to spend in January and still also make a you know quite a significant profit. Um, so yeah, he was talking about a number ten today, wasn't he, and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see whether um, there's movement there because that's an obviously a place that uh, an area that we need to to focus on. I mean, he mentioned three or four names you've played there, but none of them. Suitable, are they? <laughs> what, what, you know, some more than not, more than suitable. The fact that we've had three or four names playing there this season kind of proves that none of them have been capable, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, we haven't got a natural number 10, and who's a link, link, link man, I think, was the phrase Benitez has used. So, yeah, I, I anticipate us maybe looking for somebody there, but the, 
Tell you what, number tens are uh, well, they're dying, dying breed anyway, aren't they? Um, it'd be interesting to see how that 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 happens. But in answer to your question, yeah, it's it, 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 it fits in with the January transfer window, and I think we've still got money left to buy somebody and still, you know, make a wider contribution elsewhere financially. Mm. Well, Prenna, we've danced around the topic of Dean and. Uh, I don't want to speak too much about Dean because we have obviously spoken a lot about him over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, his transfer did go through. Uh, finally, yesterday, he joined Aston Villa on a permanent basis for what we believe to be a fee around £25 million. Obviously, the day before, he put a little message on Instagram, which kind of summed up his disappointment <laughs> the way his time at Everton ended. And it only takes one person from outside to end a beautiful relationship, kind of things like that. What did... What did you make of that kind of that message from him? I thought it was quite amusing. I'm not going to get involved in a war of words, but immediately <laughs> fired the <laughs> opening salvo in what, what could be a war of words, because it clearly was, you know, sort of dig uh, at the manager. And um, it was very, very cleverly worded as well. You know, so lots of references to outsiders, outsiders coming in. Again, stressing, you know, sort of Rafael Benitez's Liverpool, you know, sort of affiliations. Uh, ergo being an outsider and you know of course he's entitled to have his uh, have his say he feels disappointed at the way in which it's ended but uh, I was also quite heartened to hear Simon Jordan's take on it yesterday uh, you know where he said hang on you know so why are we getting so carried away by this like sort of this love affair this is a footballer that signed you know sort of a long-term contract because it suited him not because he was in love with Everton Football Club um, you know sometimes we get a little bit you know I don't know seduced by you know sort of what, what footballers say uh, you know, and did, is, is Luca Dean, you know, so sort of clearly, you know, so sort of in love with Everton Football Club? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm doing a lot of disservice, but you know, I'm sorry to see him go in terms of his quality because I like him as a footballer. Uh, I think he's a very, very good uh, left-sided attacking player. Uh, but the manager clearly wants to set up in a different way, and he wants to focus more on a, a defensive counter-attacking setup, you know, which is his prerogative. And if he thinks that will bring Everton success going forward. We've got to let it play out and see whether it does or it doesn't. Economically, it makes sense. We've said that before. You know, he's 29 next birthday again, which was stressed. Um, he's not being, you know, bad as some people are trying to point out over the last like 12, 18 months. But equally, he hasn't been as good as he had been uh, in the 18 months previously. Uh, and we've got two players, you know, so for the price of one, in, uh, in, you know, Nathan Patterson and uh, Vitaly Mikalenko. So, you know, there's the balances, pluses and minuses. But as regards the message, it was a bit of an unnecessary dig, I suppose. But, you know, Luca Dean feels that, you know, he's been forced out against his will. Uh, therefore, he's had a pop back. And I was quite pleased to see that the manager didn't rise to the base of the press conference today. Uh, he was asked directly about it. Uh, he said, you know, does that refer to you? And he did a classic Rafa answering the question without answering the question. Uh, so uh, we'll move on. I mean, obviously, it will come to the fore once again. Because, uh, you know, Sod's Law, the uh, fixture list has thrown up a, a visit of Aston Villa uh, next Saturday, the week on Saturday. So, um, obviously, he'll be in the, the Villa squad for that game. And, you know, so fans will get the opportunity to, you know, no doubt give him a, a decent reception when he comes back. Um, but, yeah, I think we need to draw a line under that, you know, so as quickly as we can and, uh, and try and look forward. Mm. Well, this time last week, Gav, we were talking about a lot of strong words from Rafa Benitez in his press conference, his pre-hull press conference about Luca Dean. Uh, do you think this message was kind of Luca Dean's response to that a few days a few days on? I think it was a message for fans, wasn't it, really? I, I didn't know whether I was reading 
social media or a Barbara Carlin's uh, novel, to be honest yeah. with you, at one stage. It was all very emotional, wasn't it? At the end, I was in tears. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said before about players using social media. I don't take any notice of all like hearts and all this type of stuff. Oh, come on. Um, you know, we, we, we tend to place too much uh, emphasis on social media messages, don't we? And I think, as, and it's an age thing as well, certainly in my case. Uh, managers, as I said before last week, managers have fallen out with players many times before and the players left. You know, I mentioned the uh, the, the Howard Kendall McMahon thing from 1983 last week. Um, it happens, happens loads of times. People say Benitez has done it before. Loads of managers have done it before. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, not just Benitez. It, it just happens, and and sometimes it's in the best interest for everybody if there's a partner the ways. Uh, so I'm not going to um, focus too much on that uh, message. To be honest with you, I think his. His love may have been tested if Manchester City had come in for him for two years ago when he was uh, in, in great form, wouldn't he, really? You know? Um, Champions League and Guardiola, or you're the love of your life, Luca. Um, so, um, yeah, we need too much into that. Think, think these things happen in football, and, and I think we benefited from it. He gets a decent whack transfer, um, gets to play for a manager, maybe it's more suited to him. Um when I seen Gerard uh, Villa at Anfield, it didn't, it didn't strike me to, uh, as a team that Luca D might have fitted into. Uh, to be fair, uh, yeah, and good luck to him. You know, but he's made this. You know, he made the choice of club. Yeah, we've all got to move on. But yeah, it could be <laughs> Gerard and Luca D turning up a good in a week on there. Uh, <laughs> it could be, it could be an interesting uh, thing. But yeah, and mm. these messages. And I think Benitez played it right as I played it down, didn't he? Yeah. Well, in the spirit of moving on, let's move on and we'll talk about the actual match that Everton have got this weekend away against struggling Norwich City. Preno, the good news that Everton have got before this match is the Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Yerry Mina, Jada Branthwaite, Fabian Delph, all back in some form of training uh, for Rafa Benitez. He said he's probably going to make a late decision on whether they're going to be available or not this weekend, but... Would you expect to see any of them in the starting lineup, particularly? Probably, well, probably not. I mean, Dominic Calvert Lewin, certainly, yeah. But, you know, so of the other players who have returned, no, maybe not. Uh, they've only come back to training this week. And while it looked like Richarlison and Yerry Mina were having an absolute whale of a time, um, whether they're, you know, sort of actually ready to start a game, yes, probably not. Um, what heartened me most, I mean, about the the game this week is that, you know, the fixture list has been so messed about recently. Uh, you know, again, we thought we were going to a game on Tuesday night and then uh, obviously it was called off. But Norwich did have a game they played on Wednesday. So, you know, they had a, a tough game at West Ham literally two and a half days before the, uh, you know, sort of entertain Everton. So I know Rafa was asked at the press conference, you know, is this a must-win game? And to be fair, they all are at the moment. Um but this is a game, you know, so he desperately needs to get a very, very good result and a good performance from. And he's been, been given every opportunity to do so. Um, he's got players coming back, you know, so from injury. He's got his opponents in a pretty, you know, so dreadful run of form. I don't think they, I'm going to tempt fate here. They haven't scored a goal for, is it six matches, is it? Um, you know, so they yeah, are. Yeah, I think it's the last Premier League goal. Yeah, struggling in front of goal. And um, they had to play a game, you know, so literally only two and a half days away. So, you know, everything is set up, uh, you know, for the manager to get a result. Once again, we'll be waiting eagerly on his team selection because we've said here before, 
about uh, formations and you know so five at the back and uh, we know it worked for Stamford Bridge eventually uh, certainly didn't work you know sort of home to Brighton and you can say it didn't work you know so particularly successfully at Hull either is the manager going to be stubborn and is he going to uh, you know so stick to that system Norwich don't play uh, you know wing backs they don't play four at the back so you know is he uh, you know so going to stick with it you know he talked. He was asked about it specifically about um, you know the number of goals Emerson had conceded using that system, and he actually said that you know it's nothing to do with the formation; it's to do with individual mistakes. Uh, you know, we made mistakes which led to those goals being conceded, which is true. But equally, using that system, as we've spoken on this podcast before, ceded control of the midfield to Brighton. You know, so quite quite obviously. Uh, so I'd like to see, you know, so Dominic Calvert learn back in certainly. I'd like to see something, you know, more what we're more accustomed to in terms of a formation. So it's not five at the back. Most of all, I just want to see a good start. I mean, the number of games where we've had to be reactive this season rather than proactive. Let's just see a good high tempo start, you know, and rather take the game to Norwich, a team that's going to be, you know, a little bit leg weary, you know, so a little bit jaded maybe from having played on Wednesday. Just make a flying start and get a result, which is very, very badly needed. Mm. Preno mentions five at the back there, Gab, and I think when we're talking about that, I think maybe one of the most underrated returns over the last few days has probably been Jared Branthwaite. Now, if he hadn't picked up his little hamstring injury, I mean, I'm speaking on a personal basis, I think he probably would have kept his place after that, after his performance against Chelsea yeah. and, you know, sitting in like on the left of a three-man defence seemed to really suit Jared Branthwaite. So if Everton are going to play a five at the back this weekend, do you expect to see Branthwaite thrown straight back into the mix? Even even if we play a four at the back, do we expect them to see him uh, in the team? Yeah. Now, now uh, said after Chelsea that, I think... Um... You know, you sort of try and keep that formation or, uh, you know, uh, for the next game. I, I like, I really like Brantwaite. I think there's a there's a player there uh, and um, he's left-footed, which, as daft as it sounds, is, a, is an asset, isn't it, really? Just yeah. got a lack, of, a, lack of, a lack of left-footed players. <laughs> yeah, I'd have Brantwaite back in. Absolutely no problem with that. I, I really like him. Um I mean, he did well his seven or eight games when he was 1920, the end of 1920 season. Yeah, yeah no problem there, Ad. Uh, who, who, who partners him? I'm not sure. Um, we should, we've got Mikhailenko, I still can't say his name. Um, <laughs> you, you could, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think he, well, God, you know, Mikhailenko, Brantwaite, Godfrey Keane. Right back, maybe. Yeah, mm. it seems all right, but we are playing Norwich, aren't we? Mm. You know, with all due respect, that's not Chelsea. Um, mm. Yeah, well, I, I, I really like him, and there's a key, there's an argument for starting him in the four, isn't it? Really, to be fair, yeah, sign him up in four as a left guard and central mm. defender. Yeah, mm. so yeah, no problem with bringing him back. Uh, I'd like to give him a good, good run of games. I think yeah. he's a he's a real prospect, that lad. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. 
This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I mean, we've talked about Preno over the last couple of weeks, having the right players to fit into a five-at-the-back system. And I suppose ball-playing centre-backs has probably been something that we've been missing out on a little bit. Somebody who can bring the ball out successfully from the back. Branthwaite can do that. Godfrey shown that he can do that, I think. I think, to be fair, at times, Seamus Coleman showed he could do it in that position against Hull, didn't he? With a, back, with a centre-back three of, of those three, with Patterson one on one flank and Michalenko on the other, would that, would that fill you with a little bit more joy for a five-at-the-back system? Um, I think five-at-the-back for me. I mean, we have got ball-playing centre-backs that can bring the ball out and can pass the ball. But the key has got to be the wide players. You know, the wing-backs are what make um, a five-at-the-back system work. And, uh, you know, so Mikalenko probably isn't ideally suited from what we know about him uh, to play in that role. <laughs> Luca Dean, ironically, is. Um, the On the other side, though, you know, so Nathan Patterson probably is, um, as is Seamus Coleman, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, we had a wonderful situation years ago where we had Leighton Baines one side and, you know, a peak Seamus Coleman on the other. And, uh, you know, so they probably were, you know, so ideally suited to that. Right now, you know, so maybe not. I know Rafael Benitez has made, you know, references in his press conferences recently to Chelsea playing that system. And they're one of the leading sides in the country. But they play that system because they have got, you know, so wing backs that can play that system really, really, really well. Maybe we haven't. So I don't really think that, you know, ball playing centre-backs is, is is the problem, really, with playing that system. I think it's the, uh, it's, it's the players in the wing back positions. And equally, you know, as we said before, you see control in the middle of the park, you know, so you've got to sacrifice a midfielder to play that system. And that is where we've lost control in a number of games recently, notably against Brighton. So, no, nah, I'm not I'm not a great lover of the formation, to be honest. And, you know, so I'd much rather prefer, you know, so four at the back with either four, three, three or, you know, so four, five, you know, one hour you want to mix it up, you know, so, but, you know, so you've got bodies in the middle of the park. I mean, one of the players who's looked bright, whenever we've uh, played or whenever he's played recently is Andre Gomez. Uh, you know, we have seen signs of him, you know, so maybe showing returns to the form of the player that we saw pre, you know, that appalling injury. And, you know, if we can somehow, you know, sort of create a system whereby we can get Andre Gomez back in the side more regularly, I think we'll benefit as a result. Mm. I mentioned Nathan Patterson a little bit earlier. Gav, do you think it's almost a no-brainer that he gets his debut this weekend? Um, assuming he's match fitting everything else, yeah, yeah, it does um, raise a question, doesn't it, about Coleman, doesn't it, between now and the well, end of the I season? Think, I think, I think what's interesting though, isn't it, like that we played five at the back, uh, in the last two games, particularly not, not particularly well, I, w- I would suggest. But John Joe Kenny's got two assists in those two games, I think he's he's looked yeah. fairly effective in that position. He looked fairly effective against Chelsea as well when we played five at the back. Yeah, yeah, but we just spent eleven million quid on the right back from the. No, I'm, 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 I'm not suggesting. Yeah, no, no, that I, I, I get that. I mean, I think... I'm just like I'm. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I got Kenny's had two of the better games, maybe. Um, certainly, Chelsea was excellent. Uh, uh, given the circumstances, um, but you got to play, got to play Patterson. I'm just, just wondering aloud here. Who would captain the team if Coleman didn't play tomorrow? Good question. It whether Michael Keane starts, doesn't it? Like, uh, I, I would presume Michael Keane would be de facto 
vice yeah. captain maybe but uh, I'd, I'd personally yeah. give it to Pickford yeah I yeah I would as well yeah has Keane captain the team am I just making things up there um, he must have done at some point I know she said it's a red book there, not a blue book, by the way. Prano, just uh, pink, pink, orange. Is it pink? Ah, uh, the, the, the light. Looks distinctly red for me. Answer to the question now, Passon should play and I'd make Pickford captain. Coleman wasn't, assuming Coleman wasn't playing. There we go. Yeah, Mike, Michael Keane, captain of the side on December the 5th in the uh, away at Burnley in a one-all draw in the 2020-2021 uh, season. I was there Obviously, for that. I was, that was when Fabian Dov got injured and Ben Godfrey had to play left-back for the first time. And yeah. it, obviously, it was like a bit of a uh, pass-the-parcel thing at the, at the time because we had Luca Dean, who was skipper two games previously. Gilfie Sigurdsson was the skipper in the match afterwards. Uh, so they are obviously like sort of rotating the armband at the time. Uh, as far as I can see, he's never captained the side since. So uh, maybe it wasn't that successful uh, an experiment. Yeah, I, 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 I think Keane's got too much on his place at the moment, just just a bit like Coleman to bear them with the captaincy. I'd like yeah. to see Pickford given it. I think it'd be good. I think he actually, when I say deserve, is probably not what, what the phrase I would use. But mm. I think I think it's an opportune moment. For him. we've spoken about it before, haven't we, Adam, on, on this pod that actually I think it would be a I think it would be a good experience for him to be be skipper. Mm. To be yeah. honest with you. Uh yeah. and I think um I think that's part of his maturity, isn't it? As a keeper and a person to to do that. So I've I've got no problem. Um mm. I'd like to see passing tomorrow. I think that'd be that'd be quite good. Yeah. I mean, Preno, we've talked a lot about the defence over the past like 10 minutes or so now. Everton have just got to score goals tomorrow, haven't they? And the likes of uh, Damari Gray's in form, Anthony Gordon's in form, fingers crossed, somebody like Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison might be fit again to join them in that attack as well. Uh, it, 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 there's going to be a lot of pressure on them, essentially, isn't there? There is. I mean, um, I'm going to carry on talking about the defence, though, because I don't, think, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think the goal scoring is as much of a concern as keeping them out. You know, we have shown that we can score goals, that we can create opportunities, and we've also got options to change things around a little bit. So we've done that even with, you know, some significant players like Richarlison being out and Calvert-Lewin not being involved last weekend. You know, so they are, you know, so there or thereabouts. So, you know, there is a potential to score goals. Just got to keep them out, uh, especially in the first half an hour, you know, which we've, we've proved completely, you know, so incapable of doing over the last uh, few weeks. Set pieces especially, uh, you know, okay, don't give away set pieces, don't give away corners, you know, so cheaply. But it fills you with a little bit of dread, you know, so every time that, you know, so we concede in a, a dangerous position, you know, set piece-wise, because we're just awful at set pieces. So, you know, hopefully once again, that has been, you know, so worked on very, very hard this week. Um, the postponements of the game on Tuesday will have helped in that respect. Uh, and we can finally, you know, sort of get something resembling, you know, sort of a watertight defence. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's the old adage, isn't it? You know, so you don't, you don't concede goals, you don't lose matches. And then, you know, obviously you can, you know, sort of have the opportunity to try and pinch one or two at the other end. And, you know, and things start looking a little bit more stable. So, yeah, I think, you know, creativity-wise, we can always do better, but I don't think that's as much of a problem. And, sorry, you mentioned before about, uh, you know, the attacking threat that we have. 
I don't know if we've mentioned this since, but how good was that goal last week, Damari Gray's goal? It's just one of those picture book goals that I love so much. I mean, the Larissa one, Leon Osmond's goal against Larissa, that I love watching over and over again because there's so many elements to it. And that one, you know, I just love like the back click with his heel to bring the ball into control to begin with. But then just like the swagger, the arrogance going around the outside, the pace of the pass from Anthony Gordon, the finish, everything about that goal is wonderful. One of my favourite goals for a long time now. So, yeah, we're, we're quite capable of creating goals. Uh, so just keep them out, please. Mm. Well, I mean, Gav, Rafa Benitez in his press conference today when he was talking about the formations, he was also talking about his desire to for his players to come out more aggressive and with more intensity from the start of games. But I don't know, for me, it, like it, it should just be a given that the players come out with aggression and intensity from the start of matches. But Everton really haven't been doing that over the last few weeks. How, as a manager, would you would you try and... Would you try and beat that into the players? Like it, it, it should be. It should. It, well, it should be natural, really, shouldn't it? Like, yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, to do that. As we're talking like fans, though, aren't we? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, do we do we head into our every working day of our life with intensity and aggression? You know, <laughs> by, by the time, <laughs> by the time, I, I, I do, Gav. I'm the one you know, yes, I do. Well, by the time I made myself a cup of tea and read the internet, it's half an hour before the working day started, you know. But uh, yeah, well, it's not just intensity and aggression. I, I, I think it's discipline, isn't it? And organisation. What Peno says that—that's the thing. I mean, we can see, you know, what what do we can see? Forty-five seconds last week on a on a set piece from a free kick and if you're a manager it's not the first time we've done that early on this season if you're a manager you must be absolutely going spare mustn't you that's not intensity and aggression that's good organisation and taking on board what you've learned during the week and applying it um, That that's the concern for me it's not intensity and aggression it's being switched on from the start the games and um, that can that can happen you know Um Without today's retro piece will be Everton uh, in the autumn of 1985. If you remember, <laughs> we went through every game we conceded after 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Before, before we played Chelsea in the League Cup, Goodison Howard said to the players, mm-hmm. "Whatever you do today, we're not conceding in the first minute. One nil down after 53 seconds." And um, so you, you can get into bad habits. Even the best teams get into bad habits. Um, you just got to. You know, just take on board what the manager told you during the week and apply that from the start of games. And we're just not doing that. I don't think it's an intensity and aggression issue. I'd argue on occasion we've been too aggressive, uh, one or two players. Um, yeah, so all about the training pitch for me, not 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 the game. It's a training pitch, taking on board what the manager tells you and applying it, which we are not as picking up on Preno's piece. I'd like to talk about the defense, not the attack. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it, it it is it is applying what you've learned and, and being disciplined in certain situations, which all season I don't think we have, and I think so. It's a lot of responsibilities down to down to the players for me, as I've said yeah. you know throughout this year. I think the manager's taking a lot of stick, but I think uh, the players need to as well. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, Preda, talking about the players, like we've spoken about those injured players coming back, uh, not only will they add quality to the team, but will they add a certain amount of confidence to the, re- to the rest of the squad as well? I don't know about confidence. That's like such a, a fragile, you know, sort of quality to try and inject into a squad. It certainly adds a little bit of an edge to training uh, and to, you know, so match days, you know, because players have to give that a little bit more now because they've got, you know, sort of, well, three, you know, sort of new faces now who are all very, very eager to impress and show the manager that they deserve to be included, you know, sort of on a match day. Uh, so that'll add a little bit of intensity to training sessions, which will be good, which hopefully in turn, you know, so it will add a bit of intensity, you know, so on the pitch itself. The only thing that brings confidence, unfortunately, uh, are results. And um, okay, you know, so the, re- the the performance last week was patchy, you know, so at best, but the result was the right result in the end, um, probably half an hour later than we wanted it to be. Uh, but, you know, that can add a little bit of confidence and that can only be added to by getting results. So, which is why I say it's like so important to start the game well and not concede, you know, so first, otherwise you're back to square one once again, you know, so just start solidly, you know, so get through that first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you know, and you've got every opportunity to do that against a team that isn't renowned, you know, so for its, for its attacking threat. And that then brings a bit of confidence, you know, so and adds, you know, so to the confidence of the players. And you can start thinking then about, you know, so the games that are coming after that. So, yeah, you know, so just keep things as solid and as sensible and as rigid as possible and build on it from there. Mm. I suppose the one new player that we haven't talked about ahead of this weekend, Gav, is Anwar El Ghazi. You know, he only came in yesterday. What involvement do you expect him to have this weekend? Seeing as, because we're playing against his parent club the following weekend, he won't be able to play in that match, will he? Yeah, is he eligible for tomorrow? Because he's alone. Yes, he's he is eligible. Yeah, yeah the, old, the old Andy Gray rule. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, natural subs bench. Mm. Do you think? Yeah, think he's he just came in a bit too late that. in the week, hasn't he? To yeah, to... is he not played the league game since is it November? Is it? He's not played. For, I don't think he started for a while. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, no. natural subs bench. Get him, get him fit for a, a few weeks. I say can't play next week, uh, and then there's a there's a free week, isn't it? At the, the end of January. Yes, yeah. as, as it stands, on, unless one of them yeah. postponed games gets rescheduled to then or whatever. Isn't he cup? Is he cup tired as well? Oh, I haven't got a clue. To be to, to be honest, yeah. then we got to mind. We've got rescheduled games, haven't we? That might crop up over yeah. over that time. So yeah, could be a while before we'd actually see him. Really, um, mm-hmm. yeah. But sub bench naturally tomorrow. Uh, I think for me, I, I think it's a big mo- bit much. Uh, good that Demar Gray's got a week's rest as well, because I think he's looked yeah. absolutely sh- shattered last uh, <laughs> last two games, which is always good to say. He's put the effort in. Anthony mm-hmm. Gordon, part of his development, retain him in the team, and then take from there, really. But yeah, subs bench. Mm. Well, I mean, we'll stick with you, Gav, because we'll finish off with our customary predictions. Yes, oh. <laughs> yeah. No not Well, Norwich v Everton this weekend. What's uh, what's uh, going on? I, I think you know what. I think you got to, you know, you can't win on the east, can you? Really, uh, <laughs> not a snail Everton to 
Um, and I think I'd take I'd take it from there, really. I think I think we won last week, albeit fortuitously. But um, yeah, you, you've got to win tomorrow, haven't you? Really, I'm not sure whether it's a six points like people, some people are saying, but uh, it would help for the victory. Yeah, I can I can see us winning two now. Breno, are you similarly confident? More than similarly, I'm identically confident. Um, no, nah, I think too <laughs> no. I think it's just so important that we get things absolutely right at the back, and I think there'll be so much focus on that. Uh, the and Norwich, you know, it's, it's well documented how they struggled for goals, you know, so in front. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a with a, with a two nil away win. And to answer that question earlier, El Ghazi is cup tied. He got 11 minutes against United, so uh, we might have to see him just for you know, so seven or eight minutes at the end, just for a little glimpse of him before he goes into cold storage for the next couple of weeks after that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very important game, aren't they all at the moment? Uh, but this one is very, very important, you know, so for the football club and for the manager especially. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna back a, a two another way win. Same as that, same as same as uh, Gav. Mm. I agree on the on the importance of the game. I don't agree that Everton are gonna keep a clean sheet though. I really I, like at the at the minute I just can't have confidence in that and the fact yeah. that Norwich haven't scored the Premier League goal in so long. Oh, Adam. No, no, keep keep away. Stop those thoughts. We all know we all know what's gonna happen. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. Happen. yeah. in like the third minute or something like that. But no, I do think Everton will win. Uh, I'm probably gonna go for a three-one win. I think a couple of players, a couple of big names off the bench will uh, come on and see us through. Maybe a Richarlison or a or a Calvert Lewin or somebody like that will come on and help help save the day on this one well we've all predicted the win so fingers crossed we are talking about a win when we reconvene at the beginning of next week but that's all we've got time for today as i say phil kekbride and chris beasley will be your men covering this one for us down in norwich so make sure you stick with the liverpool echo to follow their latest updates on saturday afternoon but for now this has been the royal blue podcast thank you very much for listening you've been listening to the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo